there, folks, and welcome to Eddie and Caleb Zerocast. Of course, my name is Caleb Baldwin. You can follow me on Twitter at I am Caleb B. Follow my friend, co-host, and producer, Eddie Cornelison at E at DDYC85. Follow the show at EC underscore hero. Check out our Instagram, EC HeroCast, and our Gmail, ECHeroCast at gmail.com. It is episode 125. The recording date is Sunday, August 28th, the wee hours of Sunday, August 28th. And, uh, Eddie, we're not alone today, are we? Once again. No, we are not. We are not. No. Re- reoccurring guest. Re- yes, recurring guest. Of course, th- we are reviewing The Amazing Spider-Man 2. If you have uh, seen a pattern with the last three, three Spider-Man movies we've reviewed, it should come as no surprise. But my good friend, uh, Simon Cotton, is here. Simon, thank you for coming back, man. Hey, there's no problem at all. There's one thing I like talking about. It's uh, comic book movies, and you guys always you always uh, have great analysis and uh, insight when you do your reviews. And I'm just happy to hop, hop on board and add to it. Are you kidding me? You you lift us to like a, a higher stratosphere, man. You're very detail oriented. That's why I love having you on here. Uh, I am so sorry. I forgot your Twitter. There's no problem. Uh, people can follow me on Twitter at SGC Speaks. Um, also, the the name on the profile will probably be Simon the Photographer. Pretty easy to find. If you type in again, SGC Speaks. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, like I said, folks, The Amazing Spider-Man 2. We're wrapping up the Mark Webb series. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, did not have, uh, didn't end on such a high note, for sure. And they had uh, places they wanted to go, but Sony had other ideas, and uh, yeah, yeah, that's just the way things go sometimes. And we're, we're going to get right into it with a uh, history with the movie. Eddie, I'll let you start. History with the movie. I know I saw it in theaters. Um, I remember, well, before I saw it in theaters, I remember specifically Jamie Foxx did a interview and. They asked him about Electro. I think they were joking. They showed him the old comic book Electro. And he's like, no, no, my ours is going to look badass. He's going to wear a trench coat, which I don't think he ever did. And he's like, he's going to look badass. He's not going to look like some Mexican wrestler. And I think this might have been before the images came out. And then when the images did come out, I remembered back to that interview. And I just thought, ooh, they... They probably should have gone the Mexican wrestler route, but uh, more on that later. But yeah, pretty sure I've only seen this one time. Really? I actually saw this in theaters twice. I'll be honest with you. Oh, big fan. I No, I had two friends that wanted to go and the times couldn't line up. And I was like, sure, I'll watch this twice. I got no problem. Okay. Okay. But, yeah. How about you, Simon? Um, I know I saw it once in theaters. I think I saw it pretty close to the release date. It's one of the few times that I've actually seen a movie in 3D. And uh, despite it's, and despite what I think about the movie, before I get into that, um, I'll say the 3D on this movie held up when I saw it. Yeah, I could, like, even by the trailer, I, I could tell, like, oh, well, this was, because uh, I remember it coming out, and my buddy saying he saw it in 3D, and I, I remember thinking, like, man, that's definitely a good 3D movie, for sure. For sure. Absolutely. And, uh, 
probably just a little better in quality uh, in terms of quality than uh, Shark Boy and Lava Girl. So that's got that going for it. <laughs> Lord have mercy, why'd you? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, you could uh, go back and listen to that. We reviewed that, and um, oh my god, I've still got it on here. Um, episode sixty-eight. No. <laughs> yeah. We do everything here, man. We do absolutely everything. Uh, we're gonna. Dig well, that reminds me, I might that. have to add the uh, sequel to uh, the list. No, that's a show, not a movie. I don't think it is. Pretty sure it's a show. Right, and as well, far as shows go, use our discretion. I'll and check. Uh, if it's a show, I'm using my discretion to say we should not bother with that one. If it's a show, no, we won't. Okay, but hey. May 2nd, 2014. Um, see, like, this is like the post-high school, like, I'm just in the workforce, not hardly doing anything. May of 2014. I, sorry, no, no, uh, I'm seeing Spider-Man. That's about it. No, it's a movie. Oh. Way to go. You had okay. to bring it up. Now we gotta add it. No, we don't have to. That's your choice, pal. I'm choosing to add it. So... Yeah. May of 2014, for me, this was uh, this was a big chunk out of the 30 baseball parks that I attended. I did a big California trip. Let's see, started Ooh. with uh, the San Diego ballpark, which was very nice, too nice almost. Yeah, I've heard Petco is like one of the better parks in all of baseball. Yeah, it's nice, but. I don't know. There was, there's a big fancy restaurant in the middle of it, which just, I don't know. That's not baseball to me. Yeah. Um, let's see. We did Angels Park, which was whatever. Um, and then Dodger Stadium, which I liked. Uh, park in San Francisco, mm -hmm. which was great. Probably the best. Yeah. And then Oakland, which is Oof. a horrific dump. <laughs> no. Gross, man. They have possum traps in their uh, announce booth. Yeah, put them up for contraction, them and the Angels. I want Mike Trout to play on a good team. I um, just want the, the A's should, I don't know. I don't want teams to move, but at some point you have to. We have way too many teams tanking right now. The league is too big. 28 teams, it's all we need. We no. made it work for so long. 32. Let's make it work again. No. No, the last thing the league needs in terms of talent is expansion. I got bad news for you. They're going to expand. <laughs> Unless OKC gets a team, that's just bad news as far as I'm concerned. They're not getting a team. Yeah, I know. <clears throat> Simon, you have anything interesting happen to you around you in May of 2014? Yes, I was. Fin I finished up my freshman year at uh, Jackson State University. Um, yeah, uh, I even, uh, I even got a haircut that brought my hair lot, brought my hair really low. I was almost bald practically. Uh, but that was an interesting thing that happened. <laughs> no particular, no particular reason. Just, uh, wanted to see what I'd look like with that, uh, with that hairstyle. At the time uh -oh. it didn't work cause I, cause my facial hair was a little lacking. If yeah. I did it again, I think it might work out better. Yeah. See, I've, uh, I've, uh, changed my hair cut up i did that back in february and um i mean props to you 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 would have been what like 19 20 at the time doing this yeah uh 19 
I had basically the same haircut until like six months ago, dude. <laughs> like my entire <laughs> life is not very adventurous. And I'm like, ah, let's change it up a little bit. Cause, uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm kind of starting to go thin up top. Like it's not growing as fast as I'd like it to. The sides still come in, which means I'm going to have a horseshoe at some point. So that's awesome. But, uh, yeah, good stuff. You gotta love, uh, growing up. Absolutely. Yep, that's why that's why I don't uh I'm never going clean shaven on my facial hair again because I have to compensate somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> hey, number one song uh by digital download here in the US. Of course it's the same as last week, Happy by Pharrell Williams. Oh yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Champions in wrestling at the time. Ring of Honor World Champion Adam Cole Bebe. And uh, TNA, you guys may or may not remember this, because who was watching TNA in 2014? I was one of the few. Uh, Eric Young. Oh, yeah, they did do that. <laughs> they did, because it's hilarious how they did it, too, because like they had him win the belt like right after WrestleMania. It was like the Thursday after WrestleMania. And he won it by winning two matches in one night. So essentially, they kind of cloned the Daniel Bryan title win. No, 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 no. That's not cloning. That's copyright infringement. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. I remember they did. <laughs> they they ripped that off. Yeah. Four days, man. It took them four days. And like we're doing it now. <laughs> man. Oh, NXT champion, still Adrian Neville, and the WWE World Heavyweight Champion for about another month, Daniel Bryan. Jesus. Yep. That really did last just two months. Yeah, well, he, you know, because he got hurt. Yeah, yeah I, I, I remembered why. It was it's just the fact that that's that, that monumental moment at WrestleMania 30, and two months later, uh, yeah, giving that back. It sucks, man, but yeah. Liter- that's liter- and, it, and it literally returned to the status quo. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> sure enough, these things happen, though. Well, that's, I mean, here's the thing. John Cena, we'll, we're going in the future here, and we're off topic, but John Cena was a stopgap. Like, yeah. Lesnar was going to win the belt at SummerSlam either way. It was just a matter of who, who was he going to beat, which, mm. yeah, I don't know. But uh, either way, uh, we can get into, what, facts and figures now, right? I believe so. Um, All right. Enlighten me. I was just, uh, I got a blocked call and the voicemails transcribing as I speak, and it's kind of funny, but anyway. Um, So, budget. There was a big gap in the budget. It was between like 200 and 290 or something. Jeez. The one I kept seeing the most was 200, so I just went with that. Maybe a little bit generous yeah. on my part, but and the box office was seven hundred nine million, so that puts it uh, pretty high. Um, Made money either way. Yeah, it's yeah, definitely uh, did. Puts it at number eleven on the list. It's at five hundred nine million six thirty seven inflation, and it puts it right under Amazing Spider Man one and right above Hancock. So, uh, yeah, it wasn't, I mean, they probably wanted it to do bigger numbers, but basically made the same as the first, so 
Just not good enough for a third. Nope. And let's see. Rotten Tomatoes score. Critics, 51%. Fans, 64%. That makes it the first Spider-Man movie to be rotten by the critics. Even Spider-Man 3, which had critics at 63% and fans at 51 So similar numbers, just reversed, but... Yeah. Not a not a scorigami though. No, the most critically hated Spider-Man is would be this one. So. Yeah, the most critically hated Spider-Man so far. Uh, and I don't see it changing. <laughs> no, it's definitely not. I didn't even yeah. check, but. Uh, let's see, cast. Yep, absolutely. And let's go with Dane. Okay, first off. First off, shout out Christina Applegate. Let's just get that right off the bat. Okay? Why? And then, uh, second, shout out BJ Novak as, uh, I can't remember his name, but Ryan Howard. Shout out him. Smythe. Why do you keep shouting out Christina Applegate every week? Watch Eric Andre, okay? No. <laughs> I will send you the clip. There's no context required. It's the Eric Andre show, okay? So just, I don't know who that is. Uh, Christina Applegate? Yeah, I know who that is. I don't know who Eric Andre is. Oh, my. Oh, wow. I, I said this last week, and you're acting surprised again. I'm still very offended. Dane DeHaan as Harry Osborn. Uh, uh, I liked him a little better in this than I did in Chronicle. That's it? That's, I mean, uh, he just came across, and this was probably by intention, Spoiled rich kid. Yeah. Sorry, my Apple Watch thinks I'm dying because I've been laying down. You lay down when you record? Yeah, of course, man. That's weird. No, it's not weird at all. It's very weird. I'm in a chair. But good for you, buddy. I'm very comfortable right now. A lot of a lot of back support and everything. Yeah, my but chair yeah, has a no, back Dane too. DeHaan, like I said, Dane DeHaan uh, basically played a spoiled rich kid here, and he. Played it pretty well, for what it's worth. There's two characters that really made this movie not great, and this mm-hmm. is one of them. Yeah. No fault of the actors. Uh, it's a lot of... I mean, we start off, he has this forced friendship with Peter that is never referenced before. This was yeah. uh, very poor planning on the part of Sony with these movies, so that just happens. And, and- and it creates a big plot hole, but I'll hold off on exactly what uh, point that raises. And then the dad's disease, uh, which it's like, okay, we're introduced to Harry, we're introduced to Norman, and then we're immediately told Norman's dying, and then we're immediately told Harry has the same disease, and that he's dying, even though Norman's like in his 60s, but Harry's going to die really soon. I don't know. Somehow. Whatever. Uh, but yeah, just not great planning. And then the final reveal is him as the Green Goblin. Just a, a terrible attempt. I don't know. I mean, you can talk about, well, he didn't, how did he know how to pilot the glider? I'm more worried about they literally made his face try to look like a goblin. And uh, just, a, just a real bad, uh, real unfortunate there. Yeah. Say- Maybe. <laughs> Maybe they should have gone back to formula. Yeah, definitely. That, 
We've seen all of two interpretations, live action of the Green Goblin, and uh, <laughs> this is still the this is easily the worst one by far. But yes. and, that, and that honestly goes without saying, because Willem Dafoe, whether he's wearing that goofy mask or whether he's just acting with his face, complete completely uh, in a different ballpark. Yeah, I would even argue James Franco was better, just because uh, he had the. Kind of a mask, get goggles or whatever, but uh, I, yeah. you know what? I agree because at the end of the day, we got to we got to know that character on an intimate level because he was in, he was brought in in the beginning of the series of films. We saw him in the first one, his ups and downs with Peter and Mary Jane and his father, and how those relationships continued to develop and devolve, and as time went on throughout the other installments. And as you said earlier, with this film, he just pops up out of nowhere. We get a bunch of backstory, and then we're expected to care for this dynamic between himself and Peter that wasn't established at all. It carries it carries the same narrative weight as J. Jonah Jameson's appearance by email. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, uh, th- one of my criticisms is this should have been two movies to build up to everything. So if you would have introduced Harry in this one, that's fine. And I can even buy that they were friends, but like everything just happens all at once. And it's a lot when, if this was spread out over two movies, if Harry became the green goblin in the next movie or something that might've worked a little better, but well, uh, I, I guess I should bring this plot point, this, the plot hole up now. It would have kind of worked, except for how how odd it makes the Amazing Spider-Man one. So we all know the scene. Peter starts questioning questioning his aunt and uncle about his dad. He sees the Oscorp logo, sees the doctor, wants to go to Oscorp to talk to him. Has to bar- has to steal somebody's ID to sneak in. Keep in mind, he knows the son of the owner, and Doctor Connors was a family friend for years. And he decided to, and he had to sneak in when all it would have really taken, if this was actual, an actual friendship, would have been, uh, hey, uh, Harry, I'm uh, I'm heading to Oscorp. You think you can give me a ID or some clearance or something? <laughs> I never thought about so that. Introduce, so introducing that character just raises a lot of questions. There's so much coincidence in a lot of these movies. I mean, we talked about the first one where it's like, um, you know, re, uh Richard Parker's DNA was with the spiders. That's why it only worked with him. And it's like, that's why it would make sense that it would also only work with Peter. But, like, what are the odds that Peter's dad worked on these spiders and their, their, their venom would only work on this DNA and that Peter would happen to break in to this uh, facility and get bit by one? I mean, what if Peter grew up not caring about science at all? So, like, he would never would have, this never would have happened, so... I don't know. Also, it, it kind of goes against the whole point of uh, what Stanley said the character represented. Anybody can wear the mask. Well, they can, except in a universe where it, the only per, only person capable of util, utilizing the the power of the spiders is somebody from a specific bloodline. Yeah, Stanley wasn't in this, by the way. I don't think he was. He was. Yeah. Really? When he was, was it? He was uh, the early cameo during the graduation. Exactly, yes, he was in the graduation scene. 
Oh, Between missed... the two, I, I'd i say I, I definitely like this first one better. Yeah. yeah. I guess I missed that. Well, speaking of uh, random coincidences, we have Max Dillon as Electro, who uh, mm. just happens to be a super Spider-Man fan, who happens to be saved by him, who happens to work at Oscorp, who happens to fall on a thing of electric eels? What? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Oh my god. And, uh, a lot of coincidences. A lot of coincidences. There is so, like, there is so much we can criticize about this entire character. Um, but I'm gonna key in on the biggest flaw, and this was exposed by No Way Home. That look, just such a goof. Yeah. It was looking like, like Osmosis Jones out here. And, uh, and really quickly, even even as odd as falling into a vat of eels is and getting superpowers, falling into a vat of eels and then getting electric dental surgery, <laughs> in addition to getting superpowers, that happened. It's, <laughs> it's a little strange. Yes, I've been to the dentist. I don't remember them ever using electricity on my mouth, but I'm gonna clearly ask they were well, clearly they didn't have the standard eels in place. <laughs> I can't even say the sentence. <laughs> I don't. Here's the thing with Electro. I don't know if in any uh, major movie like this, any villain has gotten. They got literally everything wrong about this character. And I don't know a ton about Electro. He's not a major Spider-Man villain. Uh, for starters, I don't buy Jamie Foxx as, like, some dorky loser. Jamie Foxx is supposed to, you know, he's, like, one of the coolest guys in Hollywood. And it's like, oh, he's just a nerd with no friends who's like, oh, maybe Spider-Man will show up at my birthday party. No, I don't buy Jamie Foxx would do that. I also don't necessarily buy that this character, Max Dillon, who, by all accounts, is, you know, really smart and he has a lot of responsibilities at Oscorp. I don't even buy that he would just allow himself to be bullied like that. I don't necessarily buy that he would have no friends. Not that there aren't people out there like that, but, I mean, if you're that high up on the corporate ladder, you'd have to have some friends, I would think. And I'll do you... I don't know. And I don't I'll get... do you one. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, well, just, you know, his motivation for turning evil made no sense as far as, like, oh, well, Spider-Man set me up. And, like, what? And he just goes from being a fan to... They, they tried to make him a sympathetic villain, and then they immediately erased that. The look was completely goofy. Uh, they got that all wrong. And I didn't even understand his power. Like, he can turn into electricity, but if that's the case, how is... So he turns into electricity, but he can also reform into a human. I didn't quite understand that. Like, why... Would Spider-Man's web ever work on him then? Like, couldn't he just turn to electricity and the web just falls to the ground? I don't know. His powers weren't really defined that well for me. And, uh, yeah. I, I would have completely... I, I would not have done the sympathetic character. I would have had Max... I would I would have had Jamie Foxx be uh, a dude at Oscorp who's evil, who's doing this experiment. Somehow does it on himself. I don't know, but... Basically, what you're saying is you would have uh, done uh, Jim Carrey's version of the Riddler? No. Oh. Uh, because, I mean, he was the Riddler. 
but uh, I I mean I would hate to redo Lizard, but like I don't know what else you do it, that it would make more sense than what happened here with like all the million coincidences and his you know the the fact that his motivation for being evil made no sense and I maybe don't know. they should have just made Paul G villain. Oh, he was it, terrible in this. Oh my god. Yeah. But before we get to that, I want to touch on something one more quick one more time about Max Dillon. Yeah. The setup for how he got his powers made sense. The void of the eel thing. In the movie they say that Oscorp is responsible for eighty percent of the power in for the city. And you're telling me with a responsibility of eighty percent of the power of a major metropolitan city, you have one person checking cords and and uh, plugs. <laughs> you even, have you have the person designing it doing the grunt work. Yeah, he even called on the radio like, "Hey, can you shut it?" And like everybody ignores him. It's like, "Oh, it's just Max, you know, our boss's boss, Max. Ignore him." <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, but yeah, and I I don't know. He kind of came off. Like I said, he kind of came off as like too much of a loser to where it's hard to even feel bad for him. Like, um, I hate to steal a line from Tropic Thunder about don't go full, you know, whatever. Um, but it's like he went full loser to where it's like it's even hard to feel bad for him because it's like you're not even trying. Like you're in the elevator with uh, Emma Stone. You're like, oh, there's going to be celebrities at my birthday party. Like, no one believes that. Like, what are you doing? Like... I don't know. Yeah, short of him like losing his glasses and going full Velma, like, oh my glasses! I can't see without my glasses. <laughs> like, yeah, you, you run. Yeah, just uh, I don't know. Luckily, he gets a uh, there's a redemption down the line. Uh, sort of. Yeah. yeah. Couple in about a year, we'll we'll get to it. But yeah. Uh, speaking of Emma Stone is Gwen Stacy. Uh. Yeah, I don't know what to say, man. I got I got one thing to say. Uh, hands down, the best love interest in any of the Spider-Man movies. Oh yeah, for sure. But I would also argue low bar. <laughs> well, I don't. I I think I think with the later install with with the most recent Spider-Man movie, they they fleshed out uh, Michelle Jones a little bit more. Yeah. I definitely wasn't buying it in far in far from home, but no way home. They they brought they brought that together a little bit. She still and I still would like her compared to Mary Jane. Well, it helps that Tom Holland and Zendaya were dating in real life, and uh, and I think they still are. And then Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone were dating at the time, so I guess that helps. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I thought uh, I thought she was good in this. Um, you know, I didn't mind. A lot of the complaints was, oh, it was very back and forth and, you know, will they, won't they stuff. But I, I don't know. I didn't mind it because it, it felt kind of real life to me because that happens a lot with, you know, people that age, especially when you're on different yeah. paths. So I didn't mind it. Um, well, I only minded it because they made such a big deal about it in the last movie. When Captain Stacy died, he's like, stay away from my daughter, please. It's nothing personal, but you're a superhero. Superheroes have enemies. I don't want my daughter caught up in any of that crap. And then yeah. Spider-Man's all like, oh, well, I'll, I'll break the rules. And then he, and then he's breaking the rules, and then he suddenly remembers because he saw Captain Stacy's ghost two times. 
which is literally what happened. <laughs> yeah, I guess I would have liked it better if they showed that it was actually eating away at Peter, other than just, you know, it's like, there's Dennis Leary, and he looks disapproving. So <laughs> maybe do something more clever than that. But other than that, yeah, they, the chemistry was really good uh, between them. I liked that a lot. But uh, then we have Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man. This was worse than the first one, right? His, his performance? Right? Yeah. Uh. I mean, don't I? I I'm, I feel like I'm not wrong here, you know. If I had to, a little bit, I would say not not by like a large margin. Like this isn't um, Jennifer Lawrence playing uh, Raven. Okay. Um, <laughs> and and I, have fun getting to those later installments, guys. Um, <laughs> but uh. Yeah, I would say that I guess he I don't know if he tried to be a little bit more New York with this movie or something. Like He's got an accent that really isn't working when him just yeah. talking more so in a neutral American accent was um, was a bit more believable. OK, I it's hard because the character was being pulled in like multiple directions. Like we had his plot with Harry, his plot with the parents, which I wish was resolved in the first movie, maybe. Uh, as plot with uh, Gwen and then Electro, and it was a lot. Yeah. Other than that, I thought he did pretty good. He's, uh, if you base it on applause, he was got the biggest applause in uh, No Way Home. So people, people still like him. Um, I think I think we could all agree that he's probably of the three actors who have played Spider-Man, he's the best. Yes. Um, it's just, it's just the fact that. He had the unfortunate uh, mishap of having some of the worst uh, written movies, or, or really just the one, because I, I wouldn't say The Amazing Spider-Man 1 is a bad movie by any stretch of the imagination. Even with the problems it has, it's, it's still a really good one. Yeah. But this one, have, is, it, it just did not work. Yeah, I have a theory. Uh, I feel like Mark Webb was like, okay, they want me to do another Spider-Man movie, but... I'm seeing like the fault in our stars and all these other like YA romance movies that are just really popular. And I want to do one of those. And so he did as much of that as he could in a Spider-Man film. And he, he could not find a proper balance either. Yeah. He had, uh, the only criticism I would give is, uh, at the time of filming, Andrew Garfield would have been a 30 year old high school senior. So we always like to point that out with the, uh, Some, uh what we call it? Why. The, yeah, the thirteen reasons why uh, syndrome. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I, well, I was talking with a friend about this. Uh, well, initially, after uh, No Way Home came out, there was like a big push. Oh, bring back Andrew Garfield. My first thought was, I think that ship has kind of sailed. <laughs> and now, with Sony's doing whatever they're doing with all these villain origin movies that no one asked for, but. At least it's like, okay, you're doing these. You might as well pay it off. And my theory that I had with a, f a friend of mine, I said, well, because he, he mentioned the Madam Web movie. And I was like, well, he told me it was a Madam Web origin story, which absolutely no one asked for. But I was like, well, what if in, in, in that movie the, the Doctor Strange spell worked on her, too? And she's like, oh, look, this, uh, this universe has all these villains and um 
needs someone to save it, and then finds Andrew Garfield for that. That'd be, I mean, I, I don't, I wouldn't trust Sony to make it good, but at least you'd get Andrew Garfield in another movie. The, they wanted to do the Sinister Six, so I guess you could maybe do that. I don't know. I, I, I'd prefer it not be Sony, but the movies are already out, so you might as well have some kind of epic movie when all these villain movies that no one asked for are done. So I didn't know Madam <laughs> Web was a thing. Oh, yeah. It... Mm. See, I, I don't know about why Crane. she needs her own movie, but... Uh... Well, like I said, because I they're knew... desperate and they don't have any other ideas. Yeah. See, I knew about <laughs> Crane, but I did not know about Madam Web. Yeah, and then... Uh, oh. Who was the... Uh, Bad Bunny, some Los Muertos, some Mexican wrestler villain that, like, even hardcore Spider-Man fans are like, who in the hell is that? And it's like... Oh, you know, that guy who was in two issues that they had to dig real, real deep for, to like, oh, this will be a role for Bad Bunny. Like, did we... Did Could we your mean... enunciation be any wider? What, Los Muertos? Los Muertos. Come on, now. Okay. Work on it. Well, I don't be know better. anything about the villain, so he doesn't deserve a pronunciation, but... Also, <laughs> I did... Real quick aside, I loved Bad Bunny for the, like, three minutes he was in Bullet Train. Spoilers. Uh, okay, that's fine. It's been out a month now. Well, uh, but yeah, that would be my idea to bring back Andrew Garfield. Again, I don't think a Sinister Six movie with him would be great, because I don't trust Sony with it, but uh, like I said, they're already making these movies, so might as well yeah. do a, a yeah. payoff, you know. Also, yeah, rumor has it that, uh, what's his name, Stephen Yen from uh, both Nope and The Walking Dead is set to play Mr. Negative, if you are familiar with the uh, Spider-Man video game that came out in 2018. Oh, that should be interesting. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, Tobey Maguire might do Peter Parker in uh, Secret Wars, which could be interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 I'm, all, I'm all for seeing more three, all three of them on screen again, as long as the story yeah. justifies it. Yeah. Or they could Sony could just keep making more Spider-Man villains, and then there's no payoff. <laughs> they should just Sony should just you know every year just alternate between Amazing Spider-Man and Raimi Spider-Man, and just pop out a Spider-Man movie every year till the end of time. We need a. I want them to just get so desperate that they're like, oh, let's make a movie about the Spot. What? Yeah, there's a villain called the Spot. He's oh, a. What? He's a dude that wears polka dot outfit. Nice, uh, polka dot man from the Suicide Squad. I got it. Um, no, he's anyway, the spot. He's he's uh, kind of strong, but he looks super goofy. But we've talked about uh, you know the uh, the more focus on women in the MCU here lately, and I'm just telling you, Eddie, give it like three years, and we're gonna get a Squirrel Girl show. It's gonna happen. I mean, they got a show about Echo, so. Yeah, that's and, true. Squirrel Girl is going to be in the MCU very soon. That should be something. Just letting you know. Well, let's dive into the plot of The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Hell yeah. So we open yes. with uh, Richard Parker in his briefcase doing experiments at Oscorp. And he kills all of the spiders because he discovers that... Uh, you know, all this work could get him in trouble. And he and his wife, Mary, drop Peter off at May and Ben's. This is the exact same beginning as the first movie. 
They then uh, fly on a private jet, and the pilot comes out of the cockpit, and he's got blood on his hands, and he grabs the parachute, and uh, he shoot, or uh, he and Richard fight. Uh, Mary gets shot during this. Richard manages to shoot, uh, open a window. A hijacker is sucked out. Richard finishes uploading his video to the internet before the plane crashes, and uh, he dies, unless you watch the deleted scenes when he doesn't, but... <laughs> Well, speaking of deleted, well, this didn't even make the deleted scenes, but uh, there's photos online of it, of um, uh, Shailene Woodley as Mary Jane in this movie. Yep. She yep. was Gwen, yep. she's Gwen's friend, but never even made the deleted scenes cut. Yeah, that that was going to be an amazing Spider-Man 3. You know, they were going to explore the Mary Jane and Peter love story, or the origin love story, whatever. Yeah, that's yeah, I'm sure that would have been uh, fine because because uh, uh, at the very least they had enough foresight to realize they clearly had too much stuff in it in the movie already. If only yeah. they had, someone had told them, you know, we can take out a lot more. And on the subject of this movie and that entire opening scene, I think we can all agree that it's basically pointless. Yeah. Um, and, and you want you want to know the proof of how it's pointless? One of the most famous Spider-Man clips on YouTube is uh, was released in 2014 in August once the Blu-ray was coming out for The Amazing Spider-Man 2. It has 210 million views as of today. And the and the 10-minute clip it, in, that I'm referring to does not start with that whole Mission Impossible Spider-Man origin <laughs> thing that happened at the beginning of this one. It literally starts with what everybody agrees should have actually started the movie. Spider-Man falling from somewhere, it doesn't matter, and just being a hero and saving people. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I, I guess that's my one caveat with the scene. Uh, he he kind of jumps away to save Max, and as a result, like, four other people get into car crashes. So. That's true. <laughs> It's like it's like for every two, for every good thing they do, there's another bad thing that they do. Yeah. I would have started out with instead of this, maybe they drop Peter off at uh, Ben's house, and maybe we see like a newspaper clipping, like plane crash, and they say something like, "Oh, you know, Peter at a young age he was distraught with his parents, but luckily his friend, his childhood friend Harry, kept him company until his dad sent him off to boarding school. Boom, you've established a friendship, but you know, let's not do that." <laughs> uh, so the present day, there's a uh, Oscorp car, armored car with uh, plutonium in it that is being stolen. Spider-Man is in pursuit of. Uh, during this, he saves a a real nobody named Max Dillon who calls himself a nobody, even though he has a high job at Oscorp. And Spider-Man thanks him and says, you're not a nobody, you're important, and, you know, you're my eyes and ears out there. And Max uh, really likes hearing this. And Spider-Man uh, also gets a call from Gwen during this whole chase, and he's late for the high school graduation. Anyway, Spider-Man finally stops the, uh, the head criminal, some dude named Alexi, and makes it to the graduation to make out with Gwen on stage. And uh, this is after her valedictorian speech where she foreshadows her own death. And, uh, yeah, that's uh, 
And then you keep seeing uh, Gwen's dad everywhere, and apparently Stanley was here, and I missed it. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I that speech was the biggest. She might as well have just held up a sign that says, "I'm not gonna be here by the end of this." <laughs> Uh, later that night, Peter tells Peter tells Gwen that uh, he sees her dad everywhere, and this was weird. Like he made out with her, and now this later night, he's like, eh, I don't know. And he sees his dad everywhere, and I broke a promise to him. And if something happened, what would that make me? And Gwen basically says that she doesn't care, and Peter still dumps her. She says, I don't care. I love you, and he just says, I'm sorry, and then. Gwen needing to get the last word in is like, no, I break up with you. Like, no, he <laughs> he dumped you. I'm sorry, you don't win this breakup. But then we uh, we cut to a montage of New Yorkers calling into a talk show. A lot are upset that there's a vigilante out there and causing property damage. But one caller who sounds a lot like uh, Jamie Fox is like, oh, Spider-Man and I are best friends because one time he saved me. Yeah. Well, later on. Max Dillon, it's his birthday, and he's very excited, thinking Spider-Man will show up. Again, why would he think this? Uh, this just makes him hard to be sympathetic when it's like, are you this delusional? You know? And Max goes to work, he meets with Gwen, who's also working there, tells her, Spider-Man saved me, and he said he needed me. And Gwen said, oh, that must be nice. And then we cut to Harry Osborn, who's in the movie. And he visits his dad, who's dying, and he's like, oh, I'm disappointed with you, Harry, and by the way, this disease that's killing me is genetic, and uh, you should start to see symptoms around your age. And um, then he gives him the title of CEO and dies, so very weird. Yeah, keep that in yeah. mind, what you just said. You would start to see symptoms at your age. Not that you're going to die, you would start to see symptoms. Yeah, which he does, but apparently... Uh, it's a lot faster. Yeah, it's rather I wish, I, wish, I wish they had outright just said that. Yeah. Like, of all know. the things you want to be subtle about, maybe not this. It's also but weird. If you guys to got him and I didn't. Well, it's also weird to introduce a character and then be like, oh, and he's dying, by the way. <laughs> they both are, actually, both Osborns. Uh, so Max is about to leave work for his birthday party, which I don't think anyone's invited to. When uh, Mr. Smythe tells him, that's uh, an Easter egg that won't ever pay off, tells him that uh, something's wrong with one of the generators, he needs to stay and fix it. So he tries to fix it, uh, he's electrocuted, then he falls into a tank of eels, which is there for some reason. <laughs> like, did Oscorp power their electricity with eels? That's weird. Uh, anyway, uh, he's dead, maybe. So, elsewhere, Harry appoints uh, Norman's assistant, Felicia, in charge and says, don't worry, if this does well, you'll get a spinoff. <laughs> oh. Still no Black Cat movie. Anyway, uh, Peter pays Harry a visit because they're friends, and he's like, oh, you know, I'm sorry about your dad. And I noticed there's a two-age gap in between there because Peter graduated high school. He'd be 18. They said Harry was 20. So there's a two-year age gap, and Harry went to boarding school, so they would have never been in the same grade, and they didn't go to the same school, but they are friends. Could have used something in the beginning of the movie for this, but 
Anyway, they go around, they talk about women and whatever. Yeah. Meanwhile, Oscorp is talking about the employee who died, and they're like, oh, he didn't have any friends or family. But uh, in the basement, his corpse awakens, and then we cut to Peter running into Gwen. They decide to be friends, and they lay down some ground rules, like, um, mentions her laugh, and she does a big dorky laugh, and he's like, oh, it's still so adorable, and, uh, I don't know, I didn't mind the scene. It was good, at least it had good chemistry, but... In the distance, Max is uh, sucking energy from cars, and he's headed to Times Square. Uh, Gwen, by the way, tells Peter that she has an opportunity to study abroad in England, and that uh, but this is where, in the distance, they see Times Square powers going off and on. So uh, Max is there. He's causing problems, but he can't control himself. He's like, oh, you know, it's not my fault. Stop. And Spider-Man shows up. And Max asks if he remembers him. He does, but he doesn't remember his name. And then Max thinks Spider-Man said it because the police shoot him. And then Max is like, oh, you set me up. And then that's all it took for him to not be a Spider-Man fan anymore. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like it would have made more sense if they... they, It it still would have been goofy, but if they had just went with the whole idea of Spider-Man remembering Max's name was something important to him because the guy is clearly already uh, not all the way there. That would have at least made more sense. All, all Spider-Man did was save somebody. Like he, yeah, he threw a web at uh, Max, but a web isn't a knife or a gun. If Out of everything that was shown, thrown or shot at you, that was probably the least lethal thing. Yeah. But you acted like he tried to kill you or something, or he 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 stole your shine by the camera person. I can't even fathom thinking about this. It's so <laughs> illogical. Well, eventually he sprays him with a big fire hose, and that kind of defuses him for a minute. And then uh, later say, on, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say I will say two things on this. It definitely had one of the best uh, all-time Spidey sense scenes. All right. That's where uh, slow motion really works best for this character. Just seeing everything he, he has to process and deal with in like a three second or five second uh, time frame, saving the person at the bottom of the Times Square steps, saving the two people from grabbing onto the guardrail and electrocuting themselves. That was really good. And of course, and as I said earlier, with every good thing, there comes something bad. And here we have a line as bad as Holly Berry's line from X from the first X-Men. It's my birthday. <laughs> now it's time for me to light my candles. Uh, <laughs> terrible, terrible. <laughs> what did Halle Berry say in the first X-Men? I can't remember. Ah, do you know what happens to a toad when it's struck by lightning? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the same thing that happens to everything else. Uh, Thank you for stating the obvious, both of you. Uh, I thought it was going to be profound when she said that. Like, oh, is there something different? And it's like, nope. <laughs> Um, so later on Peter makes a big diagram Charlie Kelly style trying to figure out what his dad was working on and who is Pepe Sylvia yeah well we gotta uh, interrupt the movie for that I guess so yeah sorry well no I meant for Peter's uh, search of his parents we're still Uh, doing that which should have been resolved in the first movie but we we didn't skip the uh, Philip Phillips scene did we 
when Peter's like stalking uh, Gwen, and uh, this actually may be the scene, and he's making the diagram and everything. Uh, uh, no, those are separate. The, the the stalking is just it comes at the end of that montage of him just doing superhero work. The, the scene you're referring to comes at the end of this little uh, crazy map <laughs> where yeah. he's like, "Do I have to lose you too?" Oh mm-hmm. my gosh. A later well, that song for you plays. <laughs> that's right, it did. Uh, later at Oscorp, Harry discovers something his dad was working on is an armored suit with a glider and a cross mutated spider. That night, Peter's doing experiments on his web to blow up a battery to figure out how to use that to short circuit uh, electro, I guess. And the next morning, Harry calls Peter. He says, Hey, I need your help. I'm dying. So, uh, Harry shows Peter this video that their dad's made, the healing abilities of the spider, and thinks that it can heal him. And Harry says, you know, the experiments never went to human trial, but, uh, you know, you, uh, I think Spider-Man was bitten by one of these, and, you know, you know Spider-Man, so I need to find him for his blood. And Harry says, uh, you know, you take photos, so please find him. So, but, uh... Peter, As a just, photographer, I have so many problems with what that statement. <laughs> well, Peter doesn't... I mean, it's. I guess it's a good first step, but uh, Peter doesn't agree. And uh, I will say, I, I watched the uh, Nostalgia Critic of this, and he had a very good point I hadn't thought of. These were shot out of order. Peter first should have done the, the subway scene before this scene happened, because now Peter just is like a dick. Instead of just saying... You know, instead of when Spider-Man shows up being like, nope, not giving you my blood, could be bad. Instead, he could have said, actually, I know for a fact it would be catastrophic for you. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, the scenes should have been switched in the order, but they weren't. So, Gwen is uh, looking into Max's death because she heard him say Max and figured out who he was. So security's looking for Gwen. Her and Peter run into each other again, and he helps her get out of the building. Back at the, um, I guess Ravencroft, some psych lab or whatever, they're running experiments on Max, uh, who now dubbed himself Electro. And back at the Parker residence, May finds uh, what Peter's working on, and she won't really tell him about his dad... It's just that he left, and I raised you. And then she eventually caves and is like, okay, after your dad died, these two government agents showed up, and the stuff he was working on could get Oscorp in a lot of trouble, and he was afraid, so that's why he left. So, okay. I guess that's whatever. And re- really, really quickly, just on the Electro part, another stupid line, because... Uh, the, the, the scientist say, says, and what are you? And Max replies, don't you know? I'm Electro. <laughs> How would anybody know that you just gave yourself that name? What are, what are we doing? He's the guy who gives himself a nickname. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, here's the uh, scene that was shot out of order, I think. Uh, over at Harry's house, Spider-Man shows up. Spider-Man says, I can't give you my blood. It's not compatible. It won't work. We don't Pardon know. Pardon you. Pardon you. 
Hey, what? he says, <laughs> uh, uh, Harry, I, I, I can't give you my blood, sir. He, uh, he masks his voice a little. Harry should still have been able to figure this out. Was Peter? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was 100%. like, did. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Harry's like, "Well, why not? It's not like I can die worse. So just give it to me and see what happens." And Spider-Man says, "Well, it could do something worse to you." And again, he has—he's basing this on nothing. Instead of at least saying, "Well, I'll look into it," and uh, Spider-Man says, "Well, I just need more time." And Harry says, "I don't have more time. Actually, you do. You have like 40 years." But uh, Pete, well, he's that, got like a big scar on his neck now, or some but, kind of. But that's the, that's my main problem with this. It's the fact that I, I think they're trying to imply that he's dying faster than his dad, but yeah. they're not doing anything or saying anything to confirm. How hard of it would, would it have been to have one of those doctors earlier say, I'm sorry, but it looks like your disease is picking up significantly uh, faster than your father's. Okay, my dad lived to be like 50. How old am I going to be? You're not going to make it to you're not going to make it to 25 at this rate. Yeah. How hard would that have been? Well, they put, like, a green spot on his neck. What more do you want? Or just be like, <laughs> the, be like buddy, how, how, was, uh, how was last Christmas? Yeah. That was okay. Well, good. That was your last one, so I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's evil. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, hey, would it be the worst thing if a doctor in this movie had no bedside manner? I mean, come no. on. <laughs> Far from the plot hole we've seen in a Spider-Man movie. Yep. Well, we have to jump to another subplot of Peter's. And this is where uh, Gwen's about to register her classes at Oxford. Peter spills his guts saying, you know, everything he thought about his parents is a lie. Harry needs my blood. Um, He's like, I don't know if it'll work. You're going to England. George is dead. Call me back, Jerry. So, and... uh, it's like, I don't know if this all will work. And Gwen says, sorry, we're on different paths. I have to go. There you go. She's off to London. Back at Peter's house, he busts open his dad's calculator, which uh, had... The fact that his dad counted on Peter finding all of this is maybe the biggest coincidence in this whole movie. But he finds these old subway tokens in his dad's old calculator. He does some research, determines that they're... A hidden track for President Roosevelt, who, uh, you know, they used a private subway car to get him around the city. And uh, meanwhile, back at Oscorp, Felicia tells Harry, Hope uh, isn't lost. Um, The radioactive spiders are dead, but the venom was saved. And uh, she says, you know, hopefully my movie can be too. And he says, no. Then he goes into the special projects folder he learns about Electro, and as he's watching this, uh, his access is revoked, and in comes, of course, Don Menken, the VP of Oscorp, who Ooh. just shows up in the movie almost as it's over. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, um, you're fired because an employee died. Your first act was to cover it up. And Harry Same. says, no, that was you. And then Nonsense. <laughs> yeah, it's like they take Menken's word for it. Yeah. So at the hidden subway track, Peter inserts his token. Up pops up this hidden lab. Peter learns that the DNA that works with the spiders came from his dad's. So that's why they can't replicate it. 
and that's why it turned Peter into Spider-Man and not Green Goblin. And this would have been a good idea to move before, as I said. Yeah. So, meanwhile, really, Harry really, hit... I, I, I just still can't get over this. So, Oscorp was clearly trailing uh, um, Peter's dad. So, how did they not know that he had a secret lab or at the very least didn't know the at least the approximate location of it. Where did his dad build this where like a subway car rises from the city to? <laughs> who would who would make that for him? Who would he who did he get access to that from? You can't you can't tell me he built that himself unless he's been I don't even understand. I don't understand. Maybe he brought he's, in engineers from Germany and he had to kill one of them because he kept begging to go home. <laughs> if you watched uh, Better Call Saul so um, Harry gets into Ravencroft and he frees Electro says I'll give you Spider-Man but I need you to get me into Oscorp Electro agrees he kills the doctor who was working on him and then they leave whoa, whoa, whoa hold up hold up hold up I'm sorry I'm just going to keep asking questions that just made me go <laughs> what in the hell how did Harry take out those two armed guards well um He's uh, he's he's a skilled fighter apparently. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Isn't that convenient? Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, between modeling and boarding school, he, he's he's a trained killer, that Harry Osborn. Yes. Of course. So as Peter leaves the subway, he gets a voicemail from Gwen. She tells him that she left for the airport because she found out she can take early classes at Oxford. And she says, yeah, it's time. Uh, this will be better. I'm leaving not because I don't love you, but because I do. And back at Oscorp, Harry and Electro, they get to Mencken. I do love where Electro's like, you remember me? <laughs> Mencken's like, it's like, should he? Because he, why would he? He's never seen you before. Yeah, uh, I mean, we've just seen Mencken. He just showed up. Uh, actually, well, actually, he did see him, um... When they were running those experiment, the first experiment with the scientists, I will get results. He was in the he was in the back in some room, I think. Oh, of course. Who could forget? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually didn't notice that until today when I rewatched it. He's just a very unassuming character. It's just yes, a, a bald guy with a suit. Uh, but uh, he has Harry or uh, Harry escorts. Uh, sorry, Menken escorts Harry to the special projects at gunpoint. And meanwhile, Electro just jumps into a socket because he's going to absorb the power grid, I guess. Uh, so down in the special projects, uh, see the uh, the glider suit again. And Harry gives the spider venom and causes him to mutate into this goblin-looking person. Mencken leaves with the door to the armored suit and glider open, and Harry goes in and apparently he knows how to fly it. Yeah, uh, we cut to Gwen, who's on a bridge in traffic, and um, Spider-Man spells out "I love you" in webbing. And takes Gwen to the top of a bridge, and says he's tired of all the reasons we can't be together, and says, "We'll go. I'll go to England with you, and I'll follow you everywhere because you know they got crime in England too." And then he brings up Jack the Ripper, who's been dead for a hundred years. Uh, we almost we, we we almost had Spider-Man in the UK. 
Damn it. Almost. Almost. Yeah, anyway, Electro has since sucked the power out of the whole city, which includes hospitals and air traffic controllers, because we're trying to raise the stakes for a fight nobody cares about. Yeah. Because a hospital filled with people is clearly not enough. Mm-hmm. So Spider-Man and Electro do battle. It's new web shooters that Gwen made seem to work. Gwen made uh, five minutes before the battle, by the way, seemed to work. Yeah. Well, well, she well, she she didn't necessarily make them. I think she uh, he was looking for ways to deal with the electricity, and she said magnetizing it would work. So yeah. I think that that's that's why he was able to web her to a car because because the police officer had to pop his hood for it. And I will say the funniest part in that whole bit was when P- uh, Spider Man flies off and her just enraged it says peter and then immediately covers her mouth i did like that well they're fighting in the uh this power grid electros playing itsy bitsy spider with the uh grid sounds <laughs> the, uh, he has spider-man trapped gwen comes in hits him with a car and he wants uh, spider-man wants her to leave she says nobody makes decisions for me i'm gonna stay and I've worked on this grid. I can <laughs> help you. So, Spider-Man. Tells what hasn't her, she worked on? Uh, well, you know, they give high schoolers a lot of responsibilities at these big-time jobs. I mean, I get well, that, but I in mean, the last movie, she's doing genetic research, and in this movie, she understands a power grid. Those are two different well, fields of study. <laughs> look, she has she has plenty of spare time because she doesn't do back day. Like, come on. Oh, jeez. And really quick before we keep going, I'm honestly surprised Gwen didn't die a little faster than she did because how did that car, how did she hit um, Electro, who was clearly generating electricity with that car, and hit an essentially engine first and survive? I don't know. Uh, Rubber tires. Mo- <laughs> movie. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Spider-Man. Uh, Tells her, and then he's like, "Well, look, well, when I give the signal, uh, reset the, the the generators or whatever, and we'll overcharge him." So he webs up something and he gives her the signal, and uh, she resets it. Electro is overcharged and uh, just kind of falls to the earth, and uh, I guess he's out of power. I don't know. Uh, just then, in comes Harry Osborn. <laughs> Like he's, ten minutes left in the film. Yeah, he sees Gwen and Spider-Man together and figures out it's Peter. Not sure how because he doesn't know who Gwen is. Yeah. Well, no, he met Gwen. Yeah, he did. So it, that's actually one of the few times where they didn't actually need to say anything. When did he meet Gwen? In the elevator when she was escaping the uh, security forces when she looked up Max's name. That's right. But why would that? Why would he still know that Gwen dates Peter? He didn't know that. Actually, Peter talked about her. He didn't give her a name though. He just says, "Oh, it's complicated." I don't do complicated. Yeah, but yeah, whatever. Well, I guess it's it, it's not, it, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> well, he says, you know, you said Spider-Man. Uh, he said, you know, Spider-Man said no, no, it was you who said no about the blood, and. Um, just true, but he's like, well, this is why. Look at you. <laughs> I was right. But uh, he's like, you know, you don't give people hope. You you take it away, and now I'm going to take away yours. But um, I don't know. I still think it's like, yes, 
uh, Peter said no to Harry, but like Harry got what he wanted anyway, and it didn't work. So Peter was right. So Harry should just be like, "Oh, sorry, Peter. I uh, I was wrong. This blood really screwed me up." (laughs) Like, what's what's the logic? Have you ever heard of a thing called principle? I guess. Like, yeah. You would think that this guy who's taking over this uh, science, the science company, would recognize that hey, I need to, I need to do some test runs with this to ensure that it works. Like, did he just believe just because it was just gestated in Spider-Man's blood that it would automatically work? Did he even? He didn't even know Spider-Man's blood type. He, he was just gonna. <laughs> I guess. What was the lot? Oh my! This this just gave me a headache. Because I'm generally trying to understand what his plan was. If Spider-Man had just gave him his blood, was he just going to take a syringe to his veins? Yes. <laughs> That's <laughs> what he did. <laughs> um, well, Harry grabs Gwen, flies off on the glider. He drops her. Spider-Man catches her, and they land inside of a clock tower. They fight. Um, the fight in between Harry and Spider-Man causes Gwen to fall, but Spider-Man grabs her again. But as Gwen is hanging uh, by the web, uh, the gears and the and Spider-Man's also like choking Harry, and the gears eventually turn. They snap the web. Gwen falls. Spider-Man fires his web, catches her, but right as he does, her head bounces off the ground, killing her. R.I.P. Gwen Stacy. Yes, R.I.P. to a roll one. And I will they, say. Um... They really uh, built up the emotion of just just you pretty much knew what was going to happen before she hit the ground with the sad music they were playing. But because of Andrew uh, Garfield's acting, he really sells the emotion of just losing someone that you could you could have potentially saved, whether by being faster or by just following uh, Captain Stacy's advice from the get go. Yeah, I don't know. This could have been done in a sequel to build it up more. I mean, we just get introduced to Green Goblin. He looks stupid. And then he's the guy responsible for killing uh, Gwen. So, I don't know. Well, a few days later, Peter and May attend her funeral. Then we cut to Ravencroft, a mysterious person who we will never know. My my guess yeah. would have been... Uh, I know it wasn't B.J. Novak playing this mysterious person, but my guess is he was going to be the reveal as Smythe. I don't know. Just a guess. I mean, it's not like we had any other clues. Uh, yeah. But he goes to visit Harry, who's locked away, and he's like, oh, you know, my my looks of looking goofy come and go. So, And he's like, well, we've identified several worthy candidates. And without Spider-Man, who apparently has quit, uh, the city will never be the same. Harry says, well, I want to keep uh, this team small, but who's the first volunteer? And the mysterious person says, it's Alexi, the man from the armored truck in the beginning of the movie. And Mr. Man says, well, you know, the special... Goes to the special projects. He walks past a Dr. Octopus set of arms, a vulture suit, and a rhino suit. And several months later, it seems Spider-Man has retired... Peter watches Gwen speak from her graduation and kind of inspires him, sort of. But at the same time, as this is all going on, Alexi has donned the rhino armor, which uh, is a little 
much, but uh, it's one of those things you couldn't do the the comic book version of it. It would look too stupid, but yeah, I, I can live with this. Uh, anyway, he's terrorizing the city. The kid, there's a kid who showed up earlier with the wind turbine and, you know, whatever. It was a nice scene earlier, but he shows up as Spider-Man and Rhino laughs at him. And the real Spider-Man shows up. He was inspired by the kid and Gwen's speech and whatever. And uh, he uh, he's about to fight Rhino and uh, roll credits. <laughs> These civilians in these movies have a very bad habit of just standing behind a fence when guns and electricity are being shot all around them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, not to uh, be so morbid, you know, bring, you know, real life happenings into these things. But a year prior to this movie coming out, you remember the Boston Marathon bombing? Um, yeah. And that was bad. That was one, what, one, two bombs, right? I think so. Uh, I think too, yeah. Boston, until they captured the suspects, all of Boston was locked down like that entire weekend. Like people were not leaving their house. It just so yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. As opposed to electricity and the giants and rhino suits and all that stuff, you know. Well, I will say I'm glad, even though. If you go by the Doctor Strange spell, the Harry Osborn Green Goblin should have been the one going through that portal instead of Electro, but uh, I'm glad they just decided, eh, let's just change it, and hopefully no one will notice. <laughs> Which uh, they did, and that would be, uh, that'll be, uh, let's see, episode 180, so uh, we are at 125 now, so we got a ways to go. But, Got to look over a year to get there, for sure. <laughs> but yeah, just keep that in mind. Should have been Green Goblin and not Electro, but uh, glad it, it wasn't Green Goblin and it was a better Electro. Yeah. It would have been, been pretty interesting to see uh, <clears throat> Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin and uh, James Franco's yeah. Green Goblin. <laughs> just two goblins. Dad? Son. Kind of. <laughs> Uh, no, I will think it might it might have also been interesting to see how he deals with his multiverse son because like that's got to be weird. Mm-hmm. Like he, yeah, he's he's got your name. He probably he probably passed a DNA test even through the multiverse, but it, but he doesn't look anything like your son, so it'd be odd. Yeah. Well, we can get into the ratings as we mentioned. It wasn't uh, too highly reviewed uh this was going to be as i mentioned there's gonna be like a black cat uh spinoff movie there was going to be the sinister six movie i think there was a there was going to be at least a spider amazing spider-man 4 but uh apparently this movie wrecked it all (laughs) what a shame well i'm gonna start off this is the lowest i'm gonna give a spider-man movie and it's well earned quite frankly uh i'm giving this a four Ooh, four. Ooh, man. You, yours is a little bit lower than, slightly lower than mine. Mm. I'll say this. This movie is the best looking visually. The, it's color graded a little bit more uh, interestingly. It's not all super dark like the last one. 
It's got better editing, and the CGI, even though it was great in the previous movie, looks even better. And, P- and Peter and Gwen's relationship is really what the heart of the movie is about. But on the opposite side, there's too many characters, too many villains in particular, and that's and they clearly saw what happened with Spider-Man 3 and didn't learn a single thing. Coupled with uh, a not as interesting uh, music score and a few so, some nitpicks and other just big other distractions and plot points that really could have been left out and could have made this movie a lot more interesting and uh, a better film overall. So I gave this one a five out of ten. Yeah, normally when a movie doesn't learn from its predecessor, I'm more harsh on it. But I've really hated Spider-Man 3 a lot more than this one. <laughs> so I can't do that. But I will say, this movie wasn't great, but it's hard to imagine it was franchise-wrecking levels of bad, but apparently it was. Um, I would say this is not a uh, send-it-back-to-formula. This is just uh, a lot of tweaks needed, mostly with the villains. Uh do something with Harry and Peter's relationship, establish that early on, do a way better Electro, and I think you could have had something pretty good here. But uh, they didn't, so I'm going to go ahead and say this is a 5 as well. Mm. Gave the other, gave Spider-Man 3 a 4, so... Here's the thing, and I'm going to further justify the 4 that I gave this. By and large, this film is forgettable. Oh, it is. Yeah, Spider-Man 3, I remember so much about that film. It's a lot more fun to watch. Yes, exactly. I'm going to rub some dirt in your eye. Now dig on this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Uh, Oh, good stuff. Oh my god. Um, (laughs) You can can honestly say that's one of the biggest problems of these movies overall. The dialogue, for the most part, in Sam Raimi movies, and even to a, 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 less, a slightly lesser extent in the MCU, is much more memorable. Yeah. Like we, we remember. Take it, take it into account. Just the great responsibility speeches. Um, even I mean, the one they gave in the first one is so convoluted. It's, it is. It, it's it's it barely gets the point across. Yeah. And they actually took out the. What'd you say? As, like you had said, it's so convoluted, barely gets the point across. How is that going to resonate with a kid? Well, doesn't there some, there some there's probably some adults who are like, wait, what was that? The deleted scene where Richard's not dead. Doesn't he give Peter that speech? The great power. It's been a while since I've seen the deleted scene, I, but I think he does. I, I don't know. There's a reason the scene was deleted. Well, that, yeah. the fact that how did he survive a plane crash? But you know, whatever. Well, hey, no, that's that's, like, that's spider DNA. Like, yeah. yeah, just just Rich, the, he should have been like, Dad, I thought you died in a plane crash. And then uh, Richard's just like, No. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's it. That's how you. That's how you're in the movie, Dad. Yes. Wait a minute, I thought you died. No. No. Roll credits. <laughs> Yes, dude. <laughs> Just no no convoluted explanation of like I did this, this, and I had this contingency. <laughs> Just no. That works. Uh, What's yep. next week? <laughs> <laughs>
next week, folks. Uh, if you want to follow along, I need you to fire up Disney Plus because we will be reviewing <laughs> X Men: Days of Future Past. That's right, folks. We're going to go on a little journey with Logan to meet James McAvoy and uh, Peter Dinklage, and several others. It's going to be a good time. All righty. I'm just trying to find a quote. There's crime in England. <laughs> There's yeah, that's that's a hell of an outro. Um, uh, come on, well, we can't can't do the birthday candles. Uh, no, I already no. dropped that one. Even if it, even if we didn't, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, God, I don't even like that's that's the only one that I can really think of. Um, yeah, I'm trying to find a Peter Parker quote. I gotta find my aunt. I gotta find my aunt. Mm. I break up with you. I break up with you. <laughs> Not mm. J. Jonah Jameson. Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Okay, here we go. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> All right, thank you guys for listening. God bless you. And uh, to quote one Peter Parker, I hate this song. Avenue. And then we'll